continue just to look at this subject here again of the, our Father in Heaven, who uh, the giver of every good and every perfect gift. And uh, we're looking at the most perfect of all these good and perfect gifts, and that is the Lord Jesus. If there was such a word as gooder, Jesus would be the gooder than good. And he is the most perfect gift that God ever gave. Because everything that God gives to us is all wrapped up in Jesus. It all comes because of him, in and through him. It's all wrapped up in him. And we just have trying to have a look at, uh, try and unwrap some of that that is all in and wrapped up in Jesus. We were looking at his names. And I'm going to just start this next session again, reading just a couple of those verses that I read in the, first, the last session from 2 Peter and chapter 1, where it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him. And where again it says this, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need the Holy Spirit to keep on bringing revelation to us, increasing our knowledge about Jesus, our knowledge of Jesus, intimacy with him, that all these truths about him and his precious word become realities ongoingly, growingly, increasingly, right through the rest of our lives. We want to be productive. I want to count for God. I want to be preaching if I can when I die or Jesus comes back. I want to be preaching. I'd love to be preaching where people are coming to Christ at that very moment. But I, the point I'm trying to make, and I'm hoping that this is the deep desire of your heart, is you want to be productive for Jesus. We don't want to be unproductive. We want to be our best for him. And it's as the Holy Spirit unwraps and unravels truth about Jesus and reveals unto us by his Spirit the revelation that comes from the Spirit of God, as we study the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and form us and change us, it's then that we become more and more and more and more productive. So we're looking at the names of Jesus. And I want to pick up uh, the last one I mentioned in, in that last teaching was that Jesus is also our teacher. He teaches us by the Holy Spirit. And you'll see in John chapter 1 verse 38, John chapter 13 verse 34, that Jesus is teacher. They called him teacher. He's also our example. Remember that amazing example in, in John chapter 15 when he washed the disciples' feet? He says it to them afterwards, you, you, now you, you know I'm your Lord, your Master. You've seen what I do. You need to go and do the same. You'll be blessed if you do the same. God, so Jesus is saying, I've come here to serve, to lay down my life. I've come here not to be served, but to serve, to give my life a ransom. I've come to reveal the Father. All these things, Jesus is an example to us. And so the better we know his word and see it through the Gospels and elsewhere, but essentially in those Gospels, by the Spirit of God, we, we are able to imitate him. Like Paul said in, 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 in uh, 1 Corinthians, I think it is uh, chapter 11, I think, verse 1, be ye imitators of me, even as I am an imitator of Christ. So he's our, our example. In Revelation 18, verse 23, it tells us he's our bridegroom. He's, you see, right now, God, by his Spirit, I just want to remind you of that. God is preparing us, the church, 
Each of us as individuals is a part of that church, the body that's going to be the bride. And he, Jesus, is the bridegroom. We that have children, we want the best partner, life partner, marriage partner for our child or our children. And God wants the best for his son. If we understand he's the bridegroom, all of this is in preparation for us being married to him for eternity. Oh, what a precious gift Jesus is to us. And not only is the bridegroom, but he's the word made flesh. As John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was. And then it says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It also says in Revelation 19, verse 13 and 16, that he is the word of God. The word was made flesh. Jesus is the word of God. And not only that, but moving on quickly, just because of time, Jesus is our, our judge. Luke chapter 19, 22, John 5, 27, Matthew 10, 42. He's the judge. And isn't it wonderful to know that the one who gave himself for you, the one who laid down his life, the one who bore all the mocking and the scoffing and the beating, being spat upon, nailed to a cross, cursed, all, he's he the, that paid the full price. It's not some enemy. It's not somebody with things against you. It's Jesus who did it, everything for you to make it possible for you and I to stand before God without any sin, guilt, worries, fears. He's the one who judges and he alone has the right. But remember, he came the first time not to judge. He came to save. Let's live all out for him. Let's ask God to help us to win as many people as possible to Christ before we die. He's our judge. He's also the resurrection and the life. As uh, John eleven twenty five says, we live by resurrection power and we live by his life. He's also the cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 talks about the apostles of the foundation of the apostles prophets evangelists but but it all it says jesus christ the cornerstone he's the cornerstone and then he's the rock 1 corinthians 10 verse 4 he's our rock our lives are upon built upon him in that matthew 7 the uh wise and the foolish builders the wise man built his life upon the rock. And while that initially means the word of God, because that's what he says, the one that builds his house upon the rock, I will liken him to, to the, one, the one who hears my word, obeys it, puts it into practice. I will liken him to the man who built his house upon the rock. But the word of God is Jesus. So the rock is Christ, revealed through the word of God, by the spirit of God. But he's also not only a rock of our stability uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 4 uh, and the foundation of our lives. He's also the rock of offense for those who will not yield and obey that want religion, but on their terms. He's the rock of offense, Romans 9, 33. He's also actually grace personified. Grace and truth 
came through Christ. Christ was full of grace and truth. He is grace personified. Freedom. Everything God has for us, given freely. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Gift, not earned. Just here it is. It's for you. Take it. Embrace it. Live it out. He is grace personified. He's also the branch. As Isaiah 11 verse 1 to 9 tells us and Zechariah chapter 6 verse 12 tells us, Jesus is the branch. He's also the root of David. So he's the branch, he's the vine, he's the root of, da of Jesse and he's the root of David. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 10 to 16. He's also the light of the world. I'm sorry I'm hurrying up here now, looking at the time again and seeing how much more I want to quickly just share with you. He's the light of the world. John 7, 19. John 7, 9, and, and, and it tells us that darkness cannot overcome light. Jesus is the light of the world, and he lives inside of us, and he says, now go out and be that. Let my light shine through your life. So the, the more we know him, the more light we get, and the more light shines out of us. He's the door. There's no other way. He's the door, but the door's open. And while he says this in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door. He is also the door. He's asking you to open the door. Then he says, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with you. I'll sup with you. Spend time together. He's also the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's not men laying hands on us. It's Jesus who baptizes. John the baptizer said that. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, the one that comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's the baptizer. Moving on quickly, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that he is our great high apostle. He's our apostle. He's also our priest. He's also the author of life. Acts 3.15 He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's our high priest. Hebrews 3.1, Hebrews 4.14 and 16. I love this one. Look these up for yourself and think about them. I, I'm tempted on every one of these to talk a little bit longer, but I'm just looking and I'm saying I'm going to be in trouble again soon. You know, in, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 and then in chapter 4 verse 10, where it says that we have an advocate with the Father but it says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours alone, but the sins of the whole world. That propitiation, that word, is the atoning sacrifice, the mercy seat. Jesus Christ is our mercy seat. Our atoning sacrifice, as I think the New International Version says. He's the mercy seat. That's where we obtain mercy, because of Jesus. He's our advocate with the Father. As I think I may have said, John two, John one, John two, verse twenty-one. Uh, one John two, verse one. Jesus, this is such an important one. He and he alone is the head of the church. He will not let any pastor, no elder, no deacon, no rich person, no influential person, no preacher. No one is to usurp that place that is alone. Christ's. It belongs to him. He and he alone 
is head of the church, which is his body. He's our master, Adonai, master, owner. We're his possession. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're to glorify God with our body and with our spirit, which are the Lord's. Our bodies are a temple of, his, of the Holy Spirit. He is our master. He's the builder of the church. Yes, he allows us the privilege of becoming co-laborers together with him. As Paul said, he, that Paul said he was a master builder himself. But it's Jesus who is the main factor in the building of the church. Without him, we can take all scriptural references, all these truths that we see in the Bible. We can take anything we like and put them in, try to implement them to build a church. But without Jesus, the major factor in building the church It'll all be wasted time. I will build my church and the church that I'm building, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. So it's a good thing if you're a preacher, a pastor, leader. Is he building your church? How? What happens related to the gates of hell? Are they prevailing or are they being pressed back? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's also our, our rabbi, and he's our redeemer, as 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 tells us. Saved by grace, kept by grace, our redeemer. My redeemer lives, my redeemer lives. Hallelujah, my redeemer, he lives. Well, folk, what are you going to do? Can you live the same? I know that when I look at this and I, I, I want to ask God to help me to keep going through these things, checking them from time to time, letting him by the Spirit of God remind me of all that Jesus is. He's much more than this. I've discovered some of stuff. But I'm hoping it'll be a blessing to you and help you in your life, your ministry, your mothering, your fathering, your parenting, you being a son, a daughter to your mother and father friend, leader, whatever it is, that your knowledge of him growing and growing will help you to be better equipped, more productive, but above that, to love him more with all your heart, everything within you. So Father, I commit your sons, your daughters, all of your people to you, everyone again that comes under the sound of this message, please help us to love Jesus, to love you, to understand that when you said you've got given us all these good and perfect gifts, that you meant more than just some of the superficial things that some of us have just settled in. Help us, Father, by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.